The year is 2022. War is raging across the globe. The global economy is in shambles. A pandemic has kept individuals and families locked inside for two plus years. You are now here in your car, listening to two men who have never played professional sports try to talk about professional sports. Think about your life and the choices that you've made leading up to this moment. I am your host, Max, along with Treyus. And we are going to begin this episode and discuss sports. Amateur hour! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Haha, <laughs> on a much lighter note. God, so doom and gloom, people. Don't make me question my choices. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 64. 64 is a multiple of eight, eight times itself. The square root of 64 is eight. Episode eight was uh, 20. Uh, no, it'd be more than that. It'd be about 50 weeks ago. Uh, it, I can't do that 50, much math. 56. <laughs> eight times seven. Um, yes. And seven is the number that um, uh, Obama care has been uh-huh. in effect. Uh, and. Obamacare is the same number of letters as the Illuminati. Oh, yeah. And now they're... we're getting somewhere. <laughs> you can see the lines connect as across the board. You can see, look, people, math is hard. All right. I- I'll admit it. I was never the best at math. Um, and I was always pushed beyond my limits. Uh, and I would always get terrified. You know, when I was in math class in high school, uh, we had this one teacher who would kind of go up and down the rows and you knew when your turn was coming. So in order to not embarrass myself, I would kind of like look ahead at which problems we were going to be solving or which ones were in the homework. And I would furiously scramble and double check and try to have my answer ready so that by the time she got up the line, whether it was in front of me or behind me, that I was prepared and ready to go. And I always sat in the front because I was like trying to learn, but I was on the struggle bus. And I don't know if anybody else has had that experience in math class, but my God, I don't think I've ever sweat so much in public. That was me. That was me in high school English. We had like, I had a teacher that, and I think most, most teachers in my school did this where we had like to learn a bunch of words each week. Mm. Um, And for the homework for like learning these words, we had to put them within sentences and then my teacher made us read those sentences out loud <laughs> and she would call on people the same way. And if you're sent, like you could probably get away with some crappy sentences if you weren't, if you didn't have to share them in class, but then the ones right. that you shared, if she didn't like them right away, she would just grade you horribly. Like she would Whoa. just great. She would just be like, like she would tell you if you got an A based on the sentence you read out loud, and she'd pick the word for you. So like, if you knew that it was your, like you were going to have to read it, I would like double check the sentence. Be like, let me see how many, how many, how many commas. Like I'd make it like super long and in depth. Like it got to a point where we were just writing like a paragraph for a sentence because people wanted to make sure that they were using it, using the word, and like the best possible light the most like na- like best prose or narrative style and like your word is indubitably i yeah. indubitably believe in myself and the fact that i have yeah. supernatural equestrian otherworldly <laughs> abilities to literally 
verify the indubitableness of my skills. Uh, yeah, that literally. Yeah, we were talking about like 17th century wordsmiths. I do say I've crafted the perfect sentence. <laughs> A teacher, professor. I'm here at university, and I am prepared to uh, expand your knowledge and minds as the artistry I have crafted with the words on this page shall open up a realm never before seen by the mortals within the confines of this room. Anyway. That sounded like, that sounded like some, like, Dumbledore type. Are we talking about sports or are we doing magic here, people? What? Pick a lane. Pick a lane. <laughs> You know, I always think that we should just come up with a tangent podcast and we can just, you know, because the, the, the riff rap that we begin our episodes with is some of my favorite stuff, you know. Oh, it's great. But the people are here for sports and they don't want to hear that unless you do. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm listening. Okay. Okay. Shout, think- shout at the car radio. Yes. For yes. <laughs> and no way for no. Make sure, make sure you have your windows open so that the cars next to you can also hear your answers. <laughs> Sitting at a stoplight. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. Yes, so we're excited to be here. We're happy to be here. We have a lot of uh, interesting topics to talk about. We have some issues with maturity and accountability. We have some in memoriam and... Disclaimer, nobody has died. Everybody's okay this week. Um, However, some uh, dreams have died. Some perhaps careers, some seasons have died and or been killed. And we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about some good, some bad, some highs, some lows, some embarrassment. And we're going to get right into that. But we're going to kick things off with none other than the legendary, the coveted, the powerful, Weekly highs. The weekly highs. So I got the the. So I have the weekly highs this week, and I'm going to start with my sports related high. Now it's not exactly sports, but it was a high that was given to us, gifted to us by former NBA champion Big Baby Glenn Davis. You know, what a man! You know he's stealing people's seats, and now. Now he's doing something even better. Now, so over this weekend, I got a, a text from Shrey. And typically when we're thinking about our topics that we discuss, he'll send me something like, hey, what do you think of this? Or like, oh, check this out or, you know, things like that. And so he sent me a text and he said, hey, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> so it's a tweet. Didn't give me the tweet preview. So I was like, I just clicked it. You know, it could have been anything, but I trusted him. I trusted him. I open up the tweet and it's a video of big baby Glenn Davis in his pool. And he kind of like smiles at the camera. And the caption reads, have a cheeky day. (laughs) Well, Glenn Davis pushes off the wall and like a slippery seal that is completely soaked, he glides into the water, revealing none other than his full-blown naked ass. Completely nude. Just a bloop. And I never thought I'd see (laughs) big baby Glenn Davis's ass. But I did. And I had to go bleach my eyeballs afterwards. But uh, <laughs> that is my <laughs> personal high is that I had a game night with with my roommates in the house and we played the Oregon Trail card game. Oh, OK, the card which game, is actually, yeah, yeah. which is actually very hard. And, uh, 
you basically the premises that you try to get from wherever you start from, like Missouri to Oregon, and there's a bunch of quote unquote calamities along the way. Either you have to like cross a river and you could drown, you die of dysentery, you get bitten by a snake, you die. Like there are just some things where like if you draw a calamity card, you can die. You can run out of food, water, medicine. And that was my my personal weekly high. So if anybody's ever played that game, uh, it's really hard, but we won. So it's good. All right. Well, uh, enough of that. Let's get into the weekly lows. <laughs> the lows. So, Max, for the weekly lows, uh, I'm going to start with my personal low this week. And uh, that is how I'm feeling right now. Mm. Um, I feel, I think I have like a, uh, a canker sore in the back of my throat. It is the, it is the worst feeling. It is worse than any canker sore I've ever had. I've been looking it up. I've been, I don't know. I feel like I've been web MDing it since I've had it. Cause I'm like, I'm like, why? And you're about to die. <laughs> like every time I, every time I, uh, I'm eating something, I'm like, oh, like it just like pains me. And I'm like, why, why all of a sudden uh, can I not like swallow food? It makes no sense. Um, and uh, from the internet, it sounds like I may have a canker sore in the back of my throat. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I didn't put a camera down there, so who knows? <laughs> oh, you have one of those? Those, like, dentist and operating cameras that you can just, like, slide down your <laughs> yeah. esophagus? I'm just talking. I'm not doing that to myself while I'm wide awake. <laughs> I'm wide awake, wake. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so, well, yeah. that sucks. You got a canker sore. I didn't know they could go. Like, where? where is it? In relation to your uvula. Yeah. Oh, it's down there. It's like, it's like, it feels like it's like midway, like right here. Oh. That's why, that's why if I like poke at it, like it, it like hurts. Oh. But it's only on one side. It's only on the right side of my throat. So that's why Your I'm like strep. Is it an inflamed tonsil? So I don't know, but I don't think I have strep because it's not like my whole throat is okay. hurting. Like it's only hurting on the right side of my throat. Oh, okay. So I, I don't weird. know. I feel like every time something bad happens to me, I end up like looking it up like four different ways. Yeah, because you want to know again: Are you going to die? Are you going to grow a third limb? <laughs> What's what's going on here? I need to, I need to WebMD and self-diagnose. Well, I go to a doctor when I can do it from my own home. <laughs> well, that's yeah. You know, we live in a society, Shrey, where you know, like like that intro said, you know, things are just going wrong. But at least you can self-diagnose. All right, <laughs> <laughs> good or bad, I don't know if that's if that's if that's uh, good or bad in this economy, man. For sure. Oh. That's why. Yeah. None. This economy is. I'll, I'll deal with the home remedies and not go to a. Seriously. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast, but when I broke my nose you know, a few episodes ago, back in November, actually, that bill, that hospital bill was $2,000. And what did they do? They took two x rays that I never got to see, and they just told me to put ice on it. They told me they didn't even give me the ice. They just said, go home and ice it. You broke it. But that's that's all there is. 
$2,000. Doc, I could have told you it was broken for free. Yeah. No, I in in college, uh, I woke up one day and I like just kind of shifted my neck and I could hear. Ooh. And I was like, oh, it's not good. And when I when I (laughs) when I sat up when I sat up, I my neck was like, like tilted to one side. I could and if I tried to move it this way, if I tried to move it the other way, it would basically force me back. And so I was like, oh crap. And so I went to the to the university like health services and uh a nurse a nurse saw me and was like she like poked at it with her like with her gloved finger <laughs> and was like yeah that's a strain and i was like yeah i know and, I, <laughs> and so she was like okay okay so uh i was just taking you know like you go to the pharmacy and i'll write you a prescription for this like muscle relaxant or something and uh and you should be good. Just take this for like two or three weeks or something. And I was like, okay, okay. And I got, and I had, so I I ended up paying full price for the prescription. It was like 40, 50 bucks or whatever. And then I had, and then I got a bill in the mail for like a hundred dollars. And the, all for the nurse, her- yeah, she wasn't even with me for more than five minutes. She just poked at me and told me I had a neck strain and I went on our way, and like most of it was a labor fee. Oh my! She got a hundred dollars for five minutes. Wow, their, their hourly must be insane. <laughs> They're making Jeff Bezos money if you're making a hundred hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if she sees that. Like, that's that's no, definitely probably, yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, that's that's some. You know uh, how much you know? I look. And this is not political, and I don't want anybody to be turned off by this. But I am shocked and appalled by how little money. EMS makes like emergency medical service, people, ambulance drivers, people who literally go out there, rescue people and save lives. I was talking to a guy and he's like, yeah, because I because I asked him, I was like, oh, do you like your job? And he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I just got a raise. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, I'm at $15 per hour right now. I was like, what? Dude's been dude's been driving an ambulance and like assisting for about like four years now. And he's like, yeah, I make 15 an hour, 15 an hour. That's crazy. That is criminal. These people yeah. are literally saving your lives. And so next time, well, I don't know. Can we tip ambulance drivers? Because that is not enough money for how hard their job is. So if you are an EMS or you know somebody who's EMS, we got to do something nice for those people because that is that is criminal. I mean, imagine that. If I was getting paid $15 to save a life, I'd look at my paycheck and be like, ah, yeah, this guy's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking he's like no 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 i just broke my finger i'm like nope he's dead <laughs> write it off <laughs> right. you're, like, well, you're like so how much are you gonna what, what are you gonna do for me you know you start like bribing people to try to get extra change you're like what are you gonna do for me if i help you out here <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what are you, you gonna do for old Vinny to sweeten the pot <laughs> you're, you're, you're going doing a brando you're like scratching your neck you're like yeah, you come to me injured <laughs> On the day of my daughter, I'm supposed to make ramen. (laughs) Never once before have you come to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so that that's criminal, and we that that, that, EMS should be paid more. 
for it's sure. bottom line, especially in this economy. And a moment yeah. of silence for anybody, actually, for a moment of silence for everybody, because yeah, the global <laughs> economy was we're not nobody's doing well. Absolutely, you could the the, the every other crypto haters are being proved right. <laughs> uh, crypto <laughs> investors are crap in their pants. Even if you're just invested in regular stocks, it's tough. Your savings accounts. Yeah, it's tough out there. So, uh, gotta uh, love those NFTs. Oh my God, that that was the one thing I never understood. You know, look, and 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 I definitely am. Um, I'm I'm pro and open to crypto. You know, everybody has got their thoughts about it, but I, I think there's some good in there. But the NFT stuff, absolutely not. I was like, this is legitimately stupid. It's like if I'm going to collect quote unquote art, the fact that. <laughs> it's not a tangible thing and i'm gonna spend three hundred dollars on a picture of a freaking monkey that i can just screenshot oh no no no! but your ownership is verified through the blockchain no it doesn't make any sense to me I'm sorry. who's gonna check it too other than the owner of that particular oh guys 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 i mean look at this look at this look at this board ape right here it's verified on the blockchain i own this <laughs> Somebody screenshots it or like takes a picture they're like okay i, I still have like if your purpose is to look at the art it i don't know well, and the most intoxicating thing is the communities that come out of the NFTs. That's that like li- really makes my head spin. Is like all the people they're like, we're building this great community, and you know, I'm so glad that we're along for the ride, and we're we're continuing to be blessed with, you know, the nurturing nature of this company that only makes. <laughs> colorful animal pictures <laughs> what is it that you think you do how are you helping society they're like listen this is a revolution what we're doing here today i mean this picture of a lion with red eyes i mean this this is what the future looks like <laughs> and here we go my friend's got a lion with red eyes but he's got a blue background i mean that's the rarity you know this is only one of three thousand guys i mean come on you can't get this anywhere else and it only costs eight hundred dollars <laughs> oh my god uh so if you or a loved one owns nfts i'm sorry okay let's let's talk about sports we got a lot to talk about all right we do let's jump right in so the first things that i feel is that we should talk about are a few game sevens now before we talk about the celtics because we have some other things to talk about with the celtics let's talk about the suns um <laughs> um <laughs> um <laughs> In an elimination game, the Mavs push it in game in game late in game six. The Mavs are dominant, right? They push it to game seven. You can chalk it up to the Mavs stadium is very lively, like it's getting on par with TD Garden. Like that is a hard place to win. Those fans are so passionate about their franchise. You know they got home court advantage. You know some of the calls will go their way, but the Mavs played a pretty strong game six, I would say, and the Suns were lacking a lot of stuff. However. The Suns being a 64-win team, I mean, they show up to their home court, and you're like, they're in the Valley. I almost bought Trey. I almost bought tickets to that game. Really? They're like, they like 200 bucks, 180 bucks for nosebleeds. I was like, you know, this is a playoff game. This is game seven. I was trying to convince a roommate to go. So, you know, I wasn't by myself. And I was like, let's let's just let's just bite the bullet. Let's just go to the game. Ultimately, didn't end up doing it. And boy, I'm sure glad that I didn't. Because the Suns, from start to finish, got their cheeks absolutely clapped. By the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, the Suns, Luka Doncic at half had more points, had the same amount of points as the entire Suns team. 
Halftime score was 54 to 27. You scored less than 30 in 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 24 minutes of play. It was crazy. And Dallas held them to 24% shooting in the first half, too. On the field, shooting. 24%. That is insane. Yeah. You make one for five. And uh, Booker, Aiton, and Paul were one for 15 in the first half, which is a recipe for disaster. That's something that's really tough to come back from if, you're, if your best players are shooting that horribly. Because well, they doubled Booker. They doubled Booker, and it was the most effective thing I've seen since sliced bread. I mean, the guy, he has one of the lowest for, like, you know, quote-unquote, among stars, quote-unquote, among stars. He has one of the lowest double-team conversion percentages. So when he gets doubled, he just, like, either will lose the ball, have to just pass it out to a not like a non-factor play, or just, like, you know, not score. Like, very rarely does he make something out of a double-team. Uh, and that's what the Mavs did. Jason Kidd, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. We didn't honor him as that great of a coach, but the adjustments that he was able to make in these playoffs and in this series and to take this Mavs team as far as he has, color me impressed, Trey. I will give him some credit. Yeah, he's made some really big adjustments. And he's he's made it so that the the opposing team kind of is hurt is hurt more than they would be by their flaws like when we talked about the utah series like utah's a really good defensive team and a go bear is a major part of that but they targeted him in the only way that basically renders him ineffective defensively and they just kept doing that and when it like they they obviously they lost a couple games but then the games they won like they didn't they didn't like travel what is what am i trying to say they didn't go away from that plan they knew that if they stuck with keep bringing gobert out try to bring him out to the the three-point line and they stuck with it dallas would make their shots and utah just couldn't come back from it and they yeah. they knew that they knew that with the sun series if they doubled booker that he and would play chris paul hard yeah play chris paul hard right then it would then it would uh it would trickle down and yeah, they're gonna make they're gonna get their points. But when the game is you know, when the games are tight, like it would be to their benefit to continue doing that. They didn't stray away from anything because maybe it didn't work for a period of time. They kept doing it, and that's something that uh I commend Jason Kidd for. Obviously, you know, we've talked about him especially when they were uh You're fine. Celtics. <laughs> and when they were and when the Celtics were considering new head coaching options and Jason Kidd Trey has literally said and I quote oh god please not kid <laughs> well if you look but at the fair. track record it's, if you look, look at, at his track, track record, record in his yeah. tenure that, that I agree with that there's he no was, reason he was mediocre at best in all of the stops that he had made as a head coach and I don't think he would have fit with Boston's culture I think he's a good I think he's a good spot in Dallas and I think they're kind of trying to trying to find their identity and find their own culture. And I think they're having success in that. I mean, they they made it to the Eastern Conference final. But just, I mean, straight, you know, you think about it as a Suns fan, you know, as as the Suns being my second team because of where I live. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of loss is one of the most devastating. I mean, 
that I mean, it happened before. We saw the Mavs dominate the Suns. We've seen the Suns get blown out, and you just chalk it up. You're like, okay, it's a bad night. In an elimination right. game, a game seven where everything is on the line, and that happens, and you just get absolutely just mauled from start to finish. I mean, everything was going their way. The Suns just had frustration fouls. I mean, there was nothing that they could do. Luca got everywhere he wanted to be. His role players were going crazy. Spencer Dinwiddie had 20-something. And the guy had really been a, a, a minor factor throughout the rest of the series. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, Davis Bertans was getting time and hitting shots. I mean, that that is truly, truly embarrassing to and have your season go out like that. Max, the two people that you mentioned were the two people that they traded for in the Porzingis trade, showing how effective that trade really was in the grand scheme of things, that they went away from the skilled big man, right? The Poor Singus! The skilled off-injured big man. And yes. they they went in a direction that was more guard dominant and that they wanted to play smaller. And how that really changed their season because they were yeah. able to play multiple guards. Luca, When Luca went out, they had guards that they could trust in Brunson and Dinwiddie. They got another shooting big, right? They where he's not really a big, but he's like that forward. He's like he's a big forward in Bertans, and they utilized him more than he was being utilized in Washington. And to have him along with Kleba and just playing small, relatively Finney Smith, they're able to be quicker up and down the floor. They have versatile wings that that can defend many positions and they had they they ran into some matchups that they could exploit in the playoffs and it was because of the team that they had constructed after the trade deadline so it's yeah. props to the to yeah. the management of the, the uh the maths too to making those decisions and tough decisions because a lot a of people would say decision. you build around but sometimes that's what you got to do you got to take your quote-unquote second star ship them off blow it up you know if you're the Lakers, get what value you can for for AD or, or LeBron. If I'm a, if I'm a franchise owner, because they're not Whoa. bringing. No, if they're 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 not they're not. No, I'm sorry, Shrek. If you had this team that they had, and then you guys ended up being one of the worst teams, bar none, with all that quote unquote talent. And again, AD is an oft hurt but talented big man. You could get a package for him. You could get a package deal, and if you want to keep LeBron, that's fine, right? But everybody's, you know, the speculation's already begun. Where's LeBron going? Da, 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 da. If I'm the Lakers, I'm doing the same thing. I think the rapport that LeBron has with the Lakers is pretty good. I don't think there's any reason for him to leave. I think, though, at least at this point, you never know when uh, when Bronny Bronny. comes into the league what what's going to happen. That's another his- year, right? It's one more year. I think it's a couple years down the line. Oh. Yeah. He's well, gonna... on. I just want this guy to retire. <laughs> <laughs> the, the West is the West is reeling right now. No, but um with A D, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get a larger sum than Dallas would with Porzingis. Considering Porzingis is he's he's an okay defensive player, but Anthony Davis is a way better defensive player um, when healthy. And 
it's just it, it i think i think you can get more for that talent i feel like the lakers should hold out for something if they were to get you know a good package for him considering how much they gave up for him too remember they basically just mortgaged the future to get anthony davis right they gave up so many picks and um basically made new orleans <laughs> a playoff team single-handedly with that trade um The the way you have to go is looking at those ancillary pieces. And one thing Palinka didn't do well with that team is getting the players around LeBron and AD that could be called upon when they were off the court or injured. Well, he did. Well, he he did that their championship year. Yeah, but that's that was it. But that was it, and that was the issue with the Lakers is that you had these people and your your turnover rate. If, if if the Lakers were a job, your retention rate's terrible. Nobody, and it's weird for you to like want to work there because you know you're going to get fired or shipped off within like a year. Yeah, but then bringing it back to the Mavs, they did the opposite and they found ancillary pieces that fit fit well with what they planned on doing and how they wanted to play. Yeah, and when you're able to go into a direction like that and fitting people around the style you want to play, fitting people around your star player like that, it it just does wonders to his, his confidence and Luca's confidence and the team's confidence overall in that they all have a role. They all get minutes and they're all able to perform regardless of their opponent right now. I think they they're versatile enough with how they play. The only thing that's an issue, and we're seeing that, and we'll talk more about this uh, in their Western Conference Final Series, is when they don't shoot well, they're, they're, they're pretty much toast. They're just, they, they, when their field goal percentage is low, right? When they're not on it, when Luka's not shooting well, if Brunson's missing shots and Dinwiddie's missing shots, they, can't, they don't have that inside presence to to go to and get easy buckets yeah yeah they depend I, I, a lot on I, I difficult can, I can shots agree with that. well yeah yeah and no and, and that's fine but we've also seen the Mavs have great shooting games where the guy they, they'll shoot like 50 percent from three you know there there are those games and they have those role players and yeah you know that's the thing that i'm learning is that like a lot of these great teams will have bad nights and i don't put as much uh uh Wait, I don't I don't give as much weight to those bad nights and those bad losses because a lot of them you could just chalk it up. You'd be like, something was off, couldn't find your rhythm, lost the game. That was that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've been saying with the Celtics with that series against the Bucks, which we ultimately took. I, we haven't talked about it yet, but we ultimately took. And the other so I mean the, the funerals that we're talking about is is the Suns. And I want to talk about kind of where they're going, but we'll get to that in a sec. Um and the Bucks as well, you know. With the Celtics, I, I'm chalking it up. Like, like they will have bad nights. Jason Tatum has some god awful nights. He has some nights where, and this is this is last night too. Like, he just cannot play. And frankly, I think that he should get benched for just some of the decisions that he makes and the turnovers that he's possibly. But that's okay because you see these guys are professionals and they can come back. So you know, for the Mavs having a bad game, that's fine. It happens. The Suns had a bad had bad games. I'm like, okay, that happens because they will balance that out with good ones. It's just the timing. Yeah, the game seven is when you're basically not supposed to have a bad game. You can't. Right. 
like you've seen games where in a game seven, like obviously if you're not on your best, you're at a disadvantage, but people have like, you could play relatively, you could play okay and still win games depending on how well you, uh, how well of defense you play. Well, the Suns, when they got down early, it just felt like they quit. Yeah. It just felt like they quit. That starts at the head. That starts at the head with Booker and Paul, just not just being lazy down the court, lazy with the ball. And why didn't Monty Williams make adjustments either? For a coach yeah, of the year, early. Gr- a great coach. He didn't. He didn't make him early. He tried to con- stick with his game plan. And this is too. It's right. You played six games against the Mavs. You can see what they're adjusting to do. Right, doubling Booker. Find a way to get out of that. Have him work off ball. Have him work off ball. I mean that that is a simple adjustment, right? If they're doubling him when he's a primary ball handler, have him go off ball. I mean he's got the skills to do that. You got to have him start running. You know. Steph Curry routes, and if they're going to double Chris Paul, well, then that's a mistake because Chris mm-hmm. Paul can actually beat those double teams. Yeah, that's what you want. I don't want Booker trying to ISO everything and trying to beat the double teams on his own. And 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 same thing is like you. Well, the other big thing with the Suns game though is that there is a lot of stuff surrounding DeAndre Ayton. I think he's made it clear that he does not want to be there. That he wants to play for somebody else. There's rumors going about. He, apparently, he got into it with Monty Williams. Uh, you know. Well, Lil Wayne heard something. Well, let's let's talk about it, Max, with the Sun season and where where they go from here. Eaton is a restricted free agent, right? So the Suns have rights on him, and they're able to offer him that first contract, and they have the ability to offer him that max contract extension this off season. Do you give Aiton a max contract extension? Without a doubt, I would if I was the Suns, right? Let, let's say chemistry issues aside, and let's just say hypothetically, I'm giving this guy the max. I mean, he is a skilled big man who is evolving with today's game. I mean, he can hit the three. He can take those post-up jumpers. Like, he can pick and pop as well as he can pick and roll. He's a vertical threat. He's getting a lot better on defense. And he's got the skills to pay the bills around the rim. Truly. I think that he is, you know... I think that his ceiling is still pretty high. The dude's wicked. What was what he? Twenty three. His ceiling. His ceiling is still there. Like he has the potential. And yeah, I would sign him if there are issues that are deep enough. Sign and trade is most likely the option. But I would not want to see DeAndre and go if I was the Suns franchise. Really, he yeah, makes I up that big three. He can definitely uh, improve his game. But he's been improving year after year. You can see he can be called upon in big spots. He does um, have games where you're like, where was DeAndre Ayton today? He, it feels like, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he's not there yet. Um, no, he's not, but I wouldn't say that really he's a net negative. But he's no. not like he's not detracting. Like he's not like making like crucial mistakes that are causing no, no. teams to no. lose. He just he just kind of I feel like sometimes he hides a little bit and yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't. You know what I mean? He's kind of in the background when you feel like you know if once he's a max contract player, if he gets that contract, it, he can't do that anymore, right? He's still on the oh, he's still been on the yeah, rookie deal. He's, he's not Michael Porter Jr. Christ. Yeah. So what, once you get that contract, you can't hide anymore you can you're in the limelight whether you like it or not so that's something he's gonna have to work on is that consistency both offensively and defensively to become a two-way center and to become that forward that you know 
can continue to, to to expand his range kind of more in the mid-range. He's been able to hit more of those this year and in the playoffs and what it proved vital. But he can't, you know what I mean? He's got to be able to kind of expand his arsenal and not be a, a, a more one-dimensional paint player. So Yes, but I think that I think Trey that he has the potential to do it. I mean, you see his athleticism, his length, um, his IQ is improving. He definitely has the ability to add stuff to his game. Meanwhile, you know, we've talked about other big men who are one dimensional, and that's all they are. Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert. I don't see that guy developing a jump shot anytime soon. I mean, if he goes crazy this off season, it's possible, but it'll take a while. It'll take an off season and some of the regular season for that to become consistent in game. I think he could do it for sure. Mm-hmm. But he is that one-dimensional guy. Aiton is not. He already, again, if you see him shooting jumpers confidently in-game and making them, yeah. yeah. And, it, he, I mean, his footwork in the post is great. It's great. He's a, he's a, he's a big guy who I watch if I'm trying to learn some post moves. I, it, really. And so, if you're the Suns, and let's just say, you know, because this, this is our kind of in memoriam. This is our, this is our kind of retrospective in future. The Suns had a great season, but I think they lost the playoffs when they were playing the Pelicans. You let the Pelicans in, in, in credit to them because they hustled out, they, they out hustled the Suns. That right there is where you lost. Suns should have beat the Pelicans in four, five, five at the most. But the fact that they got taken to six with these guys who, if you look at if you look at the rosters and the IQ and the skill sets, Suns should have beaten them no problem. Yeah, so when you're loss, struggling, it's a loss of focus, really, Max. It's a loss of focus, and and it's also I think a little bit of arrogance. It's like, oh, we won sixty four games, we can just skate through these no Mm -hmm. it's the playoffs everybody wants it so for you to take a back seat mentally that's when you lose and then we saw that against the Mavs. it just you took a back seat mentally you're like oh we're up (sighs) 2-0 same thing as last year like oh we're up 2-0 now i can relax no you can't relax until you until you win four games period right so if you're the sun well i was gonna say max do you have questions about chris paul going into next year uh, no, I think he'll play one more. Well, not even just more. about uh, physically playing, more about how he how he's playing. Do you feel like oh how he's like a a a, a matchstick, and so he he burns bright for the you know first two games of the playoffs and then fizzles out. He did the same thing last year. He just did it two two rounds later he did that in the finals that's exactly mm. what happened I mean, Chris Paul was uh revolutionary he was the point god that everybody looks to him, at him to be in the first two games against Milwaukee they took the first two games at home and then you let the Bucks win four and oh and then you can see Chris Paul his shooting percentages went down his assist numbers went down and his actual total points went down I mean that's disappointing at best. We know that he's not great on defense, so he has to make up for it with his IQ and his presence. I mean, he's one of the smartest guys to play basketball, period. Yeah. But but for him to just, I don't know, get tired or burnt out or whatever it is, we saw the same thing this year. That's exactly what it was. And yeah, I'm concerned about that level of play. Regular season's great. And when he, I don't think when he doesn't feel the pressure as much, he plays better because he doesn't care. But you can see time and time again now when he gets to the playoffs and he starts to feel that squeeze he doesn't rise to the occasion he just kind of crumbles under it and that is concerning yeah we've seen him like have some historic performances this year right yeah when he when he went what was it 14 for 14 14 for 14 is perfect game yeah so we know he can take over games 
But the one thing we've known Chris Paul to do over his career consistently is take, not having to do that every game, but taking over in other ways, right? His passing, his ability to make, you know, quick plays, you know, change the pace of the game, understand deep, what defenses are playing against him. It just felt like, you know, it starts with him in that lack of focus from this year, how the season ended, in that if he's going to be mentally their captain, he they he can't he can't play in the way that he played in this Mav series, where he's not being aggressive when he needs to, and he's not and he's also not being you know the great facilitator that he should be as well. So when he's kind of playing middling at all in all aspects. The Suns don't the Suns are really put at a disadvantage when they call upon him in big moments to make the key three. You know, to go on an 8-0 run by himself. Right? Like if Booker's not going, they expect Paul to do that. And so if both of them aren't doing anything, it's gonna be it's it's difficult to win, even for a 64 win team. Well, right. And, and exactly like you said, Dre, it's it's he is called upon at certain moments to go off, and you can see it. You're right in those lower pressure games you can see chris paul change he's like all right it's time for me to start scoring guy just mm-hmm. gets to his spots starts shooting up great shots they all go in that's fine yeah it it, it it begs the question where does that go again when he starts to feel the fire and he starts to sweat a little bit he just he like turns on a fan and gets on the boat to cancun like he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't stay in the kitchen no and that's what's concerning so let's say chris yeah. paul plays deandre ayton leaves Suns are at mm, they're they're looking like a six through eight seed. I'd say I'd say they could still be a fifty win team, but they're not going to be sixty four. Yeah, yeah, they could be, but if our if your role players continue to play like garbage, mm-hmm. that's a big thing too. They that had was no a huge one, thing. They had no one step up. The only person that's like even I can't even say Cam Johnson stepped up because. It, really, no one consistently stepped up off the bench. No, when... Cam, Cam Johnson's defense was was really bad. Was really bad. Like he needed to hustle way more than he did. Campaign. I mean, if this yeah, was a he, guy, who man, was, he he man, he was like he was Where your sixth he? man last year. Like he was he was carrying. He was that quick Lou Williams scoring right again. Smaller guy, not the best on defense, but he was a hustler and he provided that heart. I mean, he provided that swagger off the bench. Just go out there hit a, hit a weird looking three. You know where he's his feet are like three feet apart, and he's got his <laughs> arm way out here, and he just does that. That's fine. I don't care how you shoot. You made your shots this year. Guy couldn't hit the broadside of a bar. Terrible, especially in the playoffs. And the fact that he fell out of the rotation is deplorable. Jay Crowder. Oh my god, man. He, oh my he had a brutal god. Offensive. He had a bru- He had one. He had one good game, right? He where he hit like four or five threes. Yeah, and then that's the it. rest of it, brutal offensively, and really was a factor in a lot of missed missed opportunities and missed possessions for the Suns throughout the series. Was how he honestly shot the ball. no throughout the playoffs, Trey. He 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 was there was a lot of mistakes that he made in the Pelican series too. Yeah. I mean, between getting into foul trouble, between terrible shots and shot decisions, and you know. It, well, and an inability to like put the ball on the floor and get to the rack too when needed. Like he had some plays, right? 
I'll give him credit. He's a professional. He's been doing this a long time. He had some right. plays. But overall, his performance was disappointing at best. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want from your role players. And then you start to go down the line. You're like, oh, we brought in Aaron Holiday. What is he doing? Nothing. He didn't even get minutes. You look yeah. at JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee was trying, but there's only yeah. so much that he can do. I'll give JaVale McGee credit. He was definitely trying. Like He, he brought that fire, brought that emphaticness. Again, Cam Johnson disappeared when we needed him. Um, they didn't use Alfred Payton. Like their, their their guard depth was basically ineffective. When for uh, throughout the year, Cameron Payne was a revelation, especially when Chris Paul went out. Cameron Payne basically became Chris Paul two point when when Paul uh, when Paul was injured, and put up some really gaudy stat li- stat lines uh, in the period. You know, he was had he had like. You know, 17, 12, 20 point games. You know, he was really facilitating really well. And then for that role to really diminish in the playoffs, when he's a key piece coming in, right? He's playing 25 minutes plus. He's playing with Paul in some sets. And because just his ability to to attack the rack and also shoot the ball too, when he's not being utilized in that way, like that's a huge yeah. detriment. You, it changes how they play the game. It makes it more stressful for Chris Paul and Devin Booker when those guys aren't playing the same way that they did during the regular season. It's like a dress rehearsal. And then when you're ready and for the when big you're, show when you're on stage, yeah, you, you just forget all your lines. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, and, and here's the thing too. I, I'm just, I took a quick peek at the sun's roster. Uh, Bridges, offensively defensively he was there yeah. most of the time offensively huh you know it's all these guys who there's two parts to their game there's two things that you need it, it, it just one half like disappeared and then the, the other biggest thing is that these guys all have the skills and that's fine if you're not hitting shots but you have to hustle mm-hmm. and you have to try and and if you don't want it or you're not bought into the system or you check out whatever it is you know, I, Landry Shamit wasn't shooting well. Biz, Bismack Biombo, again, that was a trade that was done in season. What did he add? I, I mean, I know some, that he was. He had some good games in the regular season, too. He had uh, he had taken the backup role from JaVale McGee because of how he was playing. And he even started some games when Aiton was out. Like, a lot of these guys stepped up during the regular season. All these guys had moments during the regular season where you thought, oh, going into the playoffs, this is a pivotal piece for them. But those same role players uh, just didn't do the same, didn't have the same role or just didn't play well, right? Cam Johnson was shooting lights out from three. He won, He had game winners, yeah. He had a game winner. He had a, he had a you know, 30-point game in that same game. Like he was taking, he could take over games with how he shot the ball this year. And it just felt like that, that player, those players didn't show up. And then when they don't show up, and then when Paul doesn't show up, and then when Booker gets double teamed and he, he can't show up, he can't pull through, like that's when you lose that game seven by 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yeah, and then you in the middle of the season, you traded for Torrey Craig. You traded Jalen Smith out. You're like, okay, we're, we don't want to him be a protege under Aiton. We're going to get Tory Craig back. Guy didn't do anything. I don't know. 
I yeah, feel like the Suns. Are, the Suns are the. My preemptive opinion is that the Suns are in trouble if they if they fail this offseason. You're in trouble, and now you go back to mediocrity or even being bad, and it the, sucks because you were in the finals. The Aiden decision is going to be massive. It's going to change depending on how they play it, and depending on how Aiden actually feels. It's going to be a massive decision uh, that could change the course of their their franchise if he doesn't really step up or they have to let him go for you know some other reason or trade him for some other reason so that's going to be a massive uh you know microscope on them for the offseason yeah yeah all right so let's quickly talk um let's talk about the bucks too you know your season was ended in seven games to the celtics the bucks as much as i hate the franchise valiant effort Mm-hmm. Valiant effort and Bucks fans, I will give you guys credit. Uh, it's when you have a team that is not specialized for three point shooting, uh, and you lose one of your key guys, but you still take the Celtics, who were uh, they're a good team, they're a good comprehensive team. And I, I thought the Bucks were going to win at certain points, but the game five choke, you know, Bucks are up three two. I mean, that's huge. Uh, the Bucks definitely fought. Giannis, prolific, prolific. The guys yeah, unbelievable still unbelievable series. Did exactly what he wanted to do. He got what he wanted to do. Again, I think a little easier on the elbows, but uh, man, he is just tough. He is a tough cookie. He is a great defender. He is a great, great competitor. He's great offensively. You know, I, I, I just, he really put the team on his back. The guy needs some icy hot because he put the team on his back. <laughs> yeah. When well, we talk it, about that game seven, Max, um, I really – that was a spectacular game defensively on Giannis. I know he had uh, a 2020 game, right? Like, or it was, like, close to that. But how they played him in the second half was was really spectacular. They basically forced him to make try to make those tough fadeaways, those tough hooks from the jumper, uh, those jumpers um, in the deep paint. And then – he didn't have the confidence and you saw in that second half after he was missing those shots, he was getting to the rim and he was missing easy bunny layups and they were just rimming out. And then that just all, I felt like it all compiled and then the the pressure surmounted and the Celtics, you know, when you go back on the other end and they make a three, right. Yeah. And your yeah. team is shooting four for 33 from three in the game. That's seven. really bad. Really Celtic bad shot. The Celtic shot a game seven high. I don't think I think we I shot think, 50 50 90. Yeah, they shot 22 threes. They made 22 threes in game seven. So, like, that, that in and of itself was the game, was the three point shooting disparity. It's tough. It's tough when, when your best, your second best player is out and he's basically like people kind of like they can knock on Chris Middleton anything or, you know, somewhere or the other, like, you know. But he has a clutch factor to him. And he's able to steady the offense. And when you need a bucket, he more or less gives you that bucket, right? When you're down four, you yeah. need a bucket to stay in the game. Yeah. He gives you two. And now you're down two. And now, th- now you're looking at things a little differently. They just didn't have that guy this year. Um, this year. Pat Connaughton in the series was probably their most effective shooter, I would say. But... Other than him, and other than like he was, you know, he was taking it to the rack. He was shooting his threes when he needed it to. 
I felt he was their more effective, most effective player, uh, role player at least. But they didn't really have like Bobby Portis was all right, but he would come in for spurts, and I feel like they didn't utilize him properly. Boonholzer, you know, didn't start no, him in some he's games. A, he's a three. He's a three guy. He needed more opportunities on on the on the perimeter. I think it's and, and that's the thing yeah. that throws you off, right? Because he's such a big dude. Boonholzer put him down in the paint trying to bang out. He's not a great post player. He's he can shoot enough. over the top. He can shoot over oh, the top. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But but you know what I mean. Like he doesn't have like that that bag of tricks. Yeah, like yeah, a DeAndre yeah. Ayton. You know where he For can sure. again uh, drop step fake turn around put it up. He can shoot over the top and that's great. But he's a, he's a three point shooter or mid range pull up guy. Like his jump shot has gotten real nice and that's where he can earn his bread and butter. And defensively he's there. You know. Yeah. But he also Bobby plays with a lot of heart. So. I'll give Bobby, Bobby credit. Like you said, Pat Connaughton was eating us alive. Um, <laughs> George Hill, don't know why he was there. Uh, he, he he just kind of showed up. Uh, but Drew Holiday, you know, the, the Bucks, like I said, had a, had a really, really good team. I'm so happy that the Celtics beat them. Holy crap. I'm mm-hmm. thrilled. Celtics may not beat the Heat, really. The Heat seemed like they wanted more, and – you know, if Jason Tatum is going to continue to just have bad nights, just just god awful nights, uh, you know, it's what can you do? The guy's got to stop, stop complaining to the refs. Stop trying to play for these freaking foul calls, dude. Just play the game because you see when the Celtics just play and don't whine, we play so much better. But when yeah. we sit there and we're like, oh, this should have gone my way, no. We lose because you lose focus and you're like, this isn't fair because the ref isn't calling it. No. When we talk about that game seven, how they played overall, right? Like, yeah, there were moments like that. And there is moments when you're trying to get the call and it didn't go your way and you're, and you got that, you got that old Celtic mentality, but it felt like they were able to bounce back at all times. That's what happened in game. That's what happened in, uh, after game five, Game six and seven, they didn't kind of, you know, feel sorry for themselves or, you know, oh, you know, woe is me. We put ourselves in this position. They came out and they took it. They took both games handedly. And their role players really played phenomenally. Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard uh, really came out clutch. Al Al Goatford? Yeah. Al Al Goatford. Man, Al Al Goatford. My God. (laughs) He's awesome. He's awesome. Oh my God, I can't say enough good things about Al Goatford. I don't care. Even when he's having bad games, he's awesome because defensively, he is yeah. a rock. And I think mentally, he keeps the team in it. I mean, he even does. you saw, I mean, we'll talk about it in a second, you know, but but we saw in game three versus Miami, it was a blowout for, for the Heat, right? Yeah. They were able to come back. Al Horford never stopped playing defense the entire time. I mean, I love that. I love it. And he was he was huge. Grant Williams, you know, when he finally decided to take his shots, the guy was our, the guy wasn't he like he was one of our top scorers in Game Seven. Yeah, he had uh, twenty seven. He had twenty seven. He had seven threes. Um, and he and if you remember the beginning of that Game Seven, he did not shoot well. He was not. He he was like one for three. He was kind of missing some open threes, and you thought, "Oh man!" And because he had had a couple of bad games throughout the Milwaukee series, where he just you know he's playing a lot of minutes, for three, and, five points. Yeah. yeah. So w- it was great that he, even though that his confidence was down, he was able to 
flip a switch. And once he got that first one after that little stretch to go, he just did not look back. And that's something we continue to need. Um, Max, kind of moving into the Bucks' outlook. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, looking at their free agents, it looks like most of their core is going to be coming back. The only people that are unrestricted are Ibaka. I don't think they'll bring him back. No. Wesley Matthews. He was on the team? Yeah, they, they actually traded for him. Or they had they I forgot who was in that trade, but they got uh, him in Serge, the It's time to just focus on your cooking show. <laughs> I love Mafuzi Chef. I love <laughs> Mafuzi like, Chef. And I like I like Ibaka a lot, but I, I he went to the G League after his injury and yeah, I mean that was it. I don't Larry. think I don't think he ever got his step back. That stinks. I, yeah. I really like him as a player. He was yeah, man, in his prime. Ibaka, man, that was a time. Surge Ibaka. He was a critical part of that 2019 Toronto Championship run yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, on OKC. I mean, that that guy is a dog. Yeah. Um, Wes Matthews is an unrestricted free agent. I I I liked his role as like a versatile wing. He he shoots the corner three when needed, but um, uh, does he? Yeah, he's he made some critical shots. Um. Hey, in did he corner. actually in, the, in game in that game five comeback? Yeah, yeah. He made a he, he made a clutch three. Um, he doesn't shoot a lot, but his defense uh, is is his intensity is like something you'd want. I don't know if they bring him back, but that's he's true. A good he was piece. locking up Tatum. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, and Portis and Connaughton, they have some small player options. Four point six for Portis and five point seven for Connaughton. Is there an opportunity for them to get more money? And if so, will Milwaukee be the one to give it to them? Will another team see how well they played and and uh, pay them more? It's huh. it's interesting. If I'm other teams, if I'm other GMs, and those guys are are possibly available, definitely, definitely two players that I'm going after. Those are guys that are definitely they have to decline those player options. Four point six and five point seven in this in this. Age? In this economy <laughs> like there's no way you pick that up right like and those are two key pieces for how they play unless so, they feel extreme loyalty to that franchise which maybe they could uh yeah no sure they can they can definitely get more elsewhere for sure for sure i mean these these guys they, those guys would be a possible you know i mean they're role players that are good enough to where Connaughton could get anywhere from eight to 15, depending on what team he's on. Bobby Portis could get around the same per year, you know, for like a three to four year deal. Oh, Connaughton could get the, the Della Vadova deal easy. Yeah. Was it like four for 40 or something like that? Yeah. He could get that easy. Like, so is it Milwaukee giving it though, giving up to them? uh, Or is it another team that's left to be said? Milwaukee, Milwaukee could hand over the bag. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, if I, if I was if I was Milwaukee, I was the GMs. I, w- I would say that these guys were a critical part. I mean, Connaughton tore the Celtics apart. The guy, whenever he wanted to get into the lane, like he had some great drives, yeah. great finishes. I was like, I was scared of him. Yeah. When I was scared of some of the other players, I was like, Me oh too. my God, we, we don't have an answer for him. He kept doing whatever he wanted. The guy's got heart. He's from Massachusetts, from Me Arlington. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love it. And and so for the Bucks outlook, I say if you retain those players, I, I don't think the Bucks are in trouble. The Bucks are still going to be at the top of the East as long as yeah. you got Giannis and a healthy Middleton. Don't think Middleton's an All Star. I'll say that, but you're still a solid team. What I would add is I would fire Coach Bud, get a coach that's actually focused on uh, <laughs> establishing your perimeter game because that's mm. what you need around Giannis. 
right? You need to maintain that threat. And when you're a team that just like doesn't take and then gives up threes, like if you're a true paint team, well, we saw that weakness here. Yeah. It's a good thing and it's possible, but were the Bucks going to beat the Heat? No. 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 Not at all. Not the we way the Heat are playing right now. Are you kidding? Man. And the Celtics, the Celtics may not beat the Heat. Yeah. I, let's talk, I let's talk about that, Max. <sighs> okay. But, but anyway, so, so, so final so final yeah, yeah. thoughts on the Bucks. Bucks are Bucks are in a fine spot. Uh, I'm not worried about the Bucks. Really, they're again going to be top of the East. Really, whatever they do, uh, they've got the talent that they'll be fine. Yeah. Heat, the Miami Heat. Yeah, let's you, talk about that. Um, what are you feeling so far? Uh, games one through three have have happened. We're halfway through the series. Heat are up two one at the at this point. Uh, Celtics do thoughts? not have home court advantage because the Miami Heat were number one. Right. So, yeah. what are your thoughts about? Uh, Kind of how those first we will talk about game three because I think that's the biggest game so far is how both teams played in game three. What are your thoughts so, on game one and two quickly? Well, quickly game one and two. Game one, learning game. Mm-hmm. Totally fine with me. We got we got killed and that's fine. Um, we we you know the third quarter was oh late ter- an absolute egg. Laid an absolute egg. Right, first half we're up. We're up in the first half. Then we yeah. laid an egg. Um, that's a learning game. The game's not over in the half, guys. I just want you to know that, right? Like, there's still 24 minutes that have to be played. Right. And, uh, yeah, really, really bad. No adjustments. Tatum and Brown just decided they're like, yeah, we're just going to stop. But that's fine. It's a learning game because we played a very different Milwaukee team. It's adjustments. Game two, great. We, we killed them from start to finish, right? In their home court, Celtics responded. And I think the Celtics are doing a really good job of responding. Yeah. The thing is, though, is when you have a chance to take the lead, a lead that we need, I have a need for a lead and some th- need <laughs> and speed. Um, Celtics just don't play the same. So game two was great. But game three, you go down 26. Now, I didn't doubt. I was like, oh, Celtics can still come back. Well, can I talk about game two for a second? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have Smart or Horford in game one. They come back in game two, and they were the reasons why we won that game so handedly is because Without a doubt. of how smart played, right? He he didn't shoot the he didn't shoot the greatest, but in that second half, he was he turned it on. Um I saw a stat that he the Heat were three for eleven with two turnovers when Smart was the primary defender in that game two. Horford came back. He didn't shoot a lot either, but he played great defense on Bam, right? Basically neutralized him for the first two games. Basically neutralized him. Yeah. But that all changed in game three, Max. Yeah, it did. When Bam Bam decides to drop oh, a 30 piece. God. Um, and he Jimmy was Butler was a non-factor, right? Let's take Jimmy Butler injury in the in the second half. Let's take that out. First half, we he only had like six points. Yeah. That was great. You adjusted for Jimmy. That's great. You were adjusting for everybody else. I think we did a good job of containing Hero. PJ Tucker, we let him shoot, which I didn't think was a great call. Uh, but then Bam. It's Bam and Struce to me. Those are the key guys oh, offensively. Struce hit some wild, wild threes. He, and I was like, this guy. And it was, and if you saw it, his clutch threes were all basically off of the same play, right? Where he starts in the corner, they run uh, an off ball screen for him. And he curls towards the middle, and he just up picks front. and pops. So, but the fact—I mean, if you watch how high it. he got up, well, straight. If you, 
I, I was like, that shot's not going in because he was well defended and he was so high up and the shot was so quick. Like it was literally yeah, like lightning from catch to shot and just bang, drained. He has practiced that shot and he was really, really effective. He's been effective all postseason, to be honest, and he's really stepped up when he's they didn't have Kyle Lowry, him and Gabe Vincent. And we cut him and we cut him. We did. We did. It feels like a lot of it feels like, you know, another player where we had him for a second and then uh But dude, we got Sam Hauser. And Nick Stauskas. Nick Stauskas oh to hit God. the to hit the garbage time threes, dude. Um oh. but kind of ridiculous. This this game three max to me <clears throat> started and ended with how lazy we were with the ball. Oh and my god, 26 turnovers. Was it 26? Crap. It was insane. The disparity on turnovers, especially I think, I think in it was 20, I think it was 26. It might have been I, more actually cuz that was that was with like 3 minutes to go in the fourth I saw the stat pop up. I I have 24 to 9 and I have that the Heat Oh, it might have been 24. Yeah. I have that the Heat got 33 points on off of turnovers. To, off of turnovers. That's a game. That's the game right there. That is the lead that you, that you guys let the Heat get. Ridiculous. And the fact, but okay, oh. Shrey, I gotta give I gotta give commendation because I kept saying I was like, there's something about this game. Is when I started to watch the Celtics actually try. Yeah, we're we're such a good team that it's ridiculous and that we should be up 3-0. It's the lack of effort and it's the lack of heart and it's again like the Suns, the mental lapsing. Like we can't assume we need to kill the Heat just as much as we wanted to kill the Bucks. Mm-hmm. The Heat are nice guys. The Heat are talented players. And I feel a little bit apathetic because I'm like, well, you know, if the Heat win, I'm not really mad about it because I like their team. They're a good team. They got a lot yeah. of great guys on that team. I love Jimmy Butler. He's that guy. Bam's yeah. a great big man. He's that guy. I love P.J. Tucker's heart. Tyler yeah. Hero, my God, Jack Harlow singing about him. The Heat, <laughs> the Heat are a good team, man. They're a good team, and they got a lot of likable guys. You know, they're living that Miami South Beach life. You know they're 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 acting like studs. You know they got this fun like party image. I love it, I love it. It's very different from Boston, but it's the playoffs, man. We have a chance to go to the finals. God damn it, right? We have a chance to go to the finals, and yeah. we, we had the advantage. If we won the two home games, we could be up three zero or three one. Yeah, the Heat were plus fourteen in points in the paint. So not only. And not only did they have the advantage in points of the paint, is we also were even on three point shooting. Basically, I think they had, you know, it was like twelve to third. It was like twelve three pointers to thirteen, or vice versa. Like it was basically even from the three point line. Right. And if you've seen, like, where we get the advantage is through the three point shooting. That's how we've played this playoffs. Is when we have a larger, uh, when we're plus, you know, ten, fifteen from three. That's when we really control games. So in a game where the three pointers are even, we have to play. We have to play smarter. We have to play, you know, within ourselves. We have to play get easier shots for ourselves. You know what I mean? Like if it's a back and forth game from three, that's something that we weren't able to do because we were turning the ball over, and they, we were down at one point twenty six max in this game. We got it, it back. That was tough. We got it back. We to got one. it back all the way back to one. Right in the middle, we had. And then Jason Tatum came back. Yeah, in the middle, Smart went out and then came back in. Jimmy Butler uh, was not there for the second half. Jason Tatum went out and then came back in after a couple possessions. So to Terrible have all call. that. Terrible call. 
Tatum should have stayed off the bench because as soon as he went out, the team actually they were like got they were like they're like we have to win this and we're going to win Jaylen this without Brown Tatum too. Jalen Brown went off. Jalen Brown had his takeover, and then when Jason Tatum came back, they stopped giving the ball to Brown, and that boggles my mind. It infuriates me beyond belief because this has been a problem that we've seen for so long. Yeah, when Jason Tatum comes back, the ball goes to him and he sits there and he makes a terrible turnover, then another terrible turnover, and then we lose the game. When we brought it back to one. Jalen Brown was going off. That ball needs to stay in that guy's hands because he's in the flow state. He's in a rhythm. Yeah. He should he be the primary to, ball he handler. He should be the primary ball handler or even the primary like objective of the play, right? Say Smart brings it up. That's fine. We're looking for Jalen Brown, whether we're setting off ball screens. Because you could see he was moving without the ball. There was mm-hmm. a little back and forth. That's fine. That's great. He needs to be the guy. Jason Tatum should have stayed out of the freaking game. Absolutely, it because really, he was yeah. stinking up a pile of dog crap. It, it, he it, had so many turnovers, and he shot awful. The way he the way he played during this game, Max, was so aggravating. It felt like every time that the Celtics came up empty on a possession, he was walking down the court. He was he does uh, this jogging, puts his hand up. yeah, puts his hand up, but he's jogging. He's coming back. There was a key play I saw. Um where Tatum, I don't think he misses a shot or from the right wing and uh, the Heat are running back up. They're sprinting back up and Tatum is jogging, jogging on the wing, jogging on the wing. He gets into the paint kind of slowly, turns around and bam, just has a straight line through the, uh, through the paint and gets a dunk. Easy I dunk that. right by that. him, right by Tatum. When when you're not when when your shot's not falling and like it was like we've seen Tatum shoot bad before he's had a one for eighteen game before like we've sh- we've seen some horrible shooting games for him we've before. seen some horrible yeah but that's no excuse for the opposite end of the court yeah you get kind of pumped up when you're playing good offense it kind of pumps you up on defense but you need to play good defense whether or not the ball is going into the basket for you or not right that say like it was going in for Brown. So what if Jason Tatum doesn't get a shot in, but Brown is Jason Tatum? Oh gonna, yeah, Jason Tatum doesn't play. Doesn't yeah. play. Yeah, right. I want it, my turn on this wing set. It it feels childish and it feels a little immature, in that sense. And and you need to trust JB. I mean, JB can be streaky. He can miss some shots, and that's fine. And we, but you got to trust the guy. I mean, he yeah. is truly a bucket, and he's the one-two punch. Our one, well, it's like we got our like hand chopped off, and we're trying to play a boxing match. We have two, and two was a metal fist that was on fire. I mean, which one do you want to keep fighting with? Your stub or a metal fist that's on fire? Like, I- I'm picking this one. But instead, we poured water all over that fire and then just let it sit on the ground. Yeah. Well, literally, we were like in key moments. And look, I get that they were hitting their clutch, their clutch plays, but as long as we're scoring and going back and forth, there was still time on the clock. There was still minutes left. We have the opportunity to come back. And... Again, it's why do we get into these situations where we're down bad and we have to try to like fight back? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the series. Great. Now our backs are up against the wall. I know it's only 2-1, but we don't have home court advantage. This is not a position that we want to be in. We're lucky that this happened at home in the first game and that we have another game at home. But... You know, I trust I I trust the rebound factor from the Celtics. Like we've seen it in the playoffs where they come out flat or they're not playing well, like that game five in, in Milwaukee, 
and then Tatum comes out with the with a fire lit a fire under his ass and he got 46 right so we've seen that game but it's just a consistency for me where we're not able to build on these good games it's tough for us to build on these good games this should have been the game max we saw we we saw that game two in Miami another yeah where we were going off from three and I thought I always thought okay it's easier to shoot for three from home you you had a great shooting three-point game on the road in Miami. And you would think the next game at home, you should have as good of a shooting game or just as good of a game from an intensity standpoint. And you come out super flat. You allow Bam to get going. He's hitting crazy shots by the end of it. Where Crazy shots. Like He's that, fully contested just oh over last second, and he just pops it in. He's yeah. He is make he made a fool out of Al Horford a couple times on the baseline. Uh, uh, I would say a fool because Al Horford was trying. He was trying, but he just could not keep up, man. It was like when Bam got in his bag and he was rolling, and he understood that he needed to be oh. aggressive. There were times where he just got right past Al Horford, and it was just really tough for him to stop. When Bam's shot wasn't falling in those first two games, Al for Al Horford clamped him up. But in this. But now we can't expect uh, Bam to to not miss anymore, right? You know what I mean? Like, you can't expect that Bam's going to have a bad shooting game once he's had this 29-point game. Same with Struess. There's got to be there's gotta be more of an effort to be placed on those guys that come off screens, hit, try to shoot the three, like Vincent and Struess and oh, Tyler yeah, Hero. Yeah. And and Duncan Robinson, if he comes in, he's probably not going to make it, but he's going to uh, shoot. He, no, he, uh, well, I mean, he was in and he was real bad. Yeah, so I don't, you know what I mean, like those types of guys, Oladipo, they'll I they'll shoot let, the three. I still wouldn't let him shoot the three. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you have to worry about containing Oladipo too because he could drop twenty points on you. You got to worry about Tyler Hero because he could drop twenty points on you. The Heat have a lot of and Gabe Vincent's been playing out of his mind. Yeah, he's been playing really well too. So defensive, offensively, they've been really well, and defensively, they they had a game of their life. Oladipo had four steals. Lowry had four steals. Bam had four steals. They had nine. They had nine steals go like in the third. Um, not just the third alone, but I'm saying like the the whole game through the third, the third. Yeah. And Jason Tatum. I mean, this is how many times have we faced the Miami Heat in the playoffs? It's a relatively similar team led by Jimmy Butler. You yeah. still can't figure out how to score on these guys. Holy crap. Figure it out, dude. Yeah. Figure it out. And if you can't, you need to take a back seat and go sit your butt on the bench so that somebody else can 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 actually play. Because as a team, we just need to like once we get into that rhythm, I mean, that's how we came back. Right? We had some great runs, but it's like Jason Tatum comes out and he's walking. That's not the example you want to set. He's not playing within himself uh consistently in the series, right? Like that game two he played well but he played within he played within himself he played, he his, game. He played, he played his, his game he was a steady guy right in game three when his shot wasn't falling he didn't play within himself he wasn't a good facilitator he was making key mistakes like he said that he wouldn't make after game one right when he had like what five or four or five turnovers in game one he said, I'm going to make those adjustments. And then we thought, you know, after game two, when he played pretty well, they're like, oh, okay, he was steady. He didn't make those same mistakes. Oh, okay, we're, we've, you know, we're over the hump on that. But he went back to being game one Tatum Psych. again. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, it's either you've made those adjustments, you understand how to play them, or you haven't. Like, we if we keep getting these flip-flop games from our best player, 
we're never going to be, we're never going to play our best game. Our best player needs to, like, you know, play within himself, take over when needed. Like, that's what we ask for when you're the star, when you're the superstar, right? It's not, it's not like, oh, some unnecessary pressure. This is pressure that's all given to the superstar player of your team. And, it, and he needs to be able to, to take that on and play consistently. We can't ask for, oh, only when we're down will he get the, you know, the the 46-point Tatum, the 50-point Tatum, only when we're down in a series. It's got to yeah. be when we're tied in a series, when we're up in the series, we we got to get that next game's got to be up like that too. So. Because it's it's why it, right it's it's why right you need to let Miami try to try to have to overcome that hill and gain the momentum exactly and like like you said Trey it's it's we I can trust the Celtics to a point you know because we've seen it and we know that their bounce back is true and we know that Idoka is smart enough to make those adjustments that's fine yeah. yeah it's still not fun to be in that situation period no no especially when you lose when we keep losing home games I feel bad for these people in Boston. Paying for tickets, and they're like, "Oh, good! I just went there to watch Jason Tatum just uh, crap his pants." Yeah, it's good. It's nice, or nice five hundred dollars I just spent. They spent all that money. They got a comeback, and then when the key moments come up, a Tatum turnover turns into a basket. Struess, uh, Brown turnover, and uh, Bam had that crazy mid range that clutched up. And then uh, smart turnover. Lowry got the steal, and Struess got the layup. You know what I mean? You're, those are your three most important players, and they all had key turnovers in the last couple minutes that allowed Miami to, who was only up one, to bring it close to an eight or nine. And then that's the game right there, right? So you can't expect to come back and play the same way that you've been playing the, the, the before the comeback, right? When you're turning the ball over and yeah. you're down 26, you can't play that same way while your offense is playing, you know, better than it was. You can't expect, oh, okay, you know, we're down 14 now, so the occasional turnover is fine. No, 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 no. You got yourself when you were down 26. You got to play until you're tight. You got to play until you're even. You, you can't make the same mistakes. So, yeah, you got to play until you win, right? It's not over. So it, it it's kind of ridiculous how they played the same way while also playing better. I've never seen anything like that. They made mistakes while decreasing the deficit that they had. I've never seen that. And that's what ended up de- their demise was that they didn't play better. They just, they just shot better. They didn't play any better. They just shot better. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was kind of aggravating. That's gotta, that's gotta change. That's gotta be tightened up. It's, it's, so we'll see. I mean, we've we've been analyzing this this playoff run, and it's been incredible, and it's so close. Yeah. I mean, how many times are we going to sit on our laurels and just be like, "Well, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals." Okay. Make it to the finals. Oh well, it was a pretty good run because four out of six years, well, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, we've lost every single time. And you know what I hate war on winning. And you know what I hate, Max, is when we make the Easter Conference Finals. Is that um, that's like a a key point for, or in the past, it's been a key point for front office. Yeah, people to come out and say, you know, 
you know, this is the same team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but but it's different when the fans say it is one thing. When your front office, who the people that make the changes and have to, you know, improve, they're trying the to team, justify. Yeah, they're trying to justify the team by saying that we've made the Eastern Conference Finals three out of four years, and you know, four out of five years, or you know, what I mean, four out of six years, or whatever. Like, they justify not making moves or, you know future decisions based on those past results that really didn't surmount to anything at the end of the day. So this has got to be a break point. Like if, if now that we've made it to this point and adjust we're if I'm adjusting our expectations, if we don't make the finals, right. I can't take that. I can't take that, that argument anymore of we've made the Easter conference finals every year. So, because that's going to be used somewhere else. Oh, you know, we didn't feel like we needed to make a trade here or, or, you know, improve the team in this way because, you know, we need more time with this group because we just made the Easter conference finals last year. I don't want to hear that. So I want them to make the finals so that that argument is like wiped away. At least you made the finals. Um, We'll see though. You know, we're halfway through the series. This fear, the series feels like a war of attrition too. Everyone's getting hurt. I feel like, you know, we're, but it's not the same as like the warriors, um, Grizzlies where we, they were actively beating the crap out of each other. I send you, no, this, something- feels, this feels like, I mean, obviously like actively beating the crap was like to, it felt more blatant. Um, it did feel like the smart injury, the Kyle Lowry was just like, you know, he just tossed himself back and, and like flopped into smarts ankle, um, on that play. Uh, but yeah, the Tatum injury, the, the Butler injury, those weren't like blatant. The, the, P, the PJ Tucker, one of the strongest guys in the league his his getting thrown by uh, Jason Tatum. <laughs> one of the strongest guys in the league put on, put on an absolute Oscar worthy performance as Jason Tatum literally did like a standard basketball. Move. Wasn't even a real push. It was just like a, a you know, like a kind of elbow extension yeah. guy goes flying. And goes all the way across half court, like sliding on his butt, acting like he just got like anime punched. No, we can we can uh, we can match actor for actor for every smart no, flop that we have. Flop, they PJ got a Tucker. Lowry, they got a Lowry and a PJ Tucker. Oh right? my so. god, Lowry! Oh my goodness gracious, so. that guy, that guy, he like somebody breathes on him. <laughs> so I mean, they they got the, they got as many actors as we did. So I feel like. We the injuries are just gonna be piling up. Where is Robert Williams? What is this? Ha- what's happening with them? Where you know how is Jimmy Butler? Is he gonna you know play through the 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 knee? Oh, that's the thing, Trey. Is that 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 that's the other thing too? Is that Robert Williams? That's so disappointing. I mean, my God, we you you were you've been unhealthy for the majority of this playoffs. This is the concern that we always had. I mean, it's a marvel that he played this season, and we're giving him his roses and his praise. But it's really frustrating to me to have a guy that you need. And you've built your roster around, and is a critical part of your your entire game plan to just be out. Well, that, that, that when we talked about the contract last summer, Max, that was a big thing. Was, was we know concern. the talent? We knew the talent, right? Yeah. If he was hundred percent healthy, or you know, he's missing five or that six would have been a steal. A that would have been a steal. We would have been all over that deal. But the one cause for concern we had was the injury history and his kind of his bounce back factor. Can he come back for injuries? And it felt like Whack during the regular up. season, it, he was relatively healthy. Like I didn't have many problems with him until that, you know, final injury with the MCL. Now I feel like in the spots where we need him, the on and off is really killing us. 
Like, it if he's gonna play a couple games, like I feel like he's gotta fight a little bit through the soreness, even if it's in spurts. Like, even if we're only playing him fifteen to twenty minutes, I feel like he's gotta play through the soreness. I don't a know if he bit. can though, Shrey, because the thing about Robert Williams is that he's in a very delicate position, and as somebody who does a little bit of jumping and leaping, when you're anything is not feeling right the last thing that you want to do is start jumping and leaping on it because it's such a strenuous explosive movement Mm -hmm. that if something's off your risk of even further injury goes way up and it just doesn't feel right when you have to make a big jump or a big play or go for a lob and and your ankle clicks or your knee gets strained or you like feel something in your hamstrings or your hips so I, i can't pretend to understand that in a professional setting but as somebody who you know like when I'm jumping and working out and like playing basketball, you know, if I'm feeling great, throw me some lobs. You know what I mean? Like I'll, yeah. I'll attempt to dunk and all that stuff. If I'm not feeling right, I'm staying on the ground. For me, I'll still play because I'm not, you know, I'm not in a professional setting, but I can tell you that that jumping factor is the first thing to go. So if he was healthy, that's fine. And, he, you know, I'm sure that he could play, but the way that we use him, that is out of the picture when he's under this kind of uh, uh, pain and stress. But the the question about his injury is like, what is the the main what is the main cause, right? Is this yeah. related to his MCL? We saw that Udoka said when he was out for a couple games for like three or four games during the Buck series, it was because of the bone bruise that was unrelated in uh, to the MCL injury, but also part of it was a knee soreness, right? That caused that was caused by the bone bruise in his knee. When we got this injury report and he was out, they said left knee soreness. I now don't know if this is related to his surgery and he's still feeling sore or if this is related to the new knee soreness because of the bone bruise. And the Celtics don't really clear that up. They just say it's left knee soreness. And, you know, it's up to interpretation on how you feel about that. I, In those pivotal moments... If, if he's going to play, like he played two straight games. He played game one and two. And then game three, he was not out. I mean, he was out. Like, you know, it, it feels, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the man's health and I don't know, you know, how he's feeling on the day to day. And, you know, things can change after, you know, a couple after a game and, you know, you feel differently. But the optics of it, it's just, it, it's, it's part of that inconsistency in the team that we're we're grappling with that, you know, Smart is out for a game, then he comes back. Horford is out for a game, then he comes back. You know, Robert Williams is there for both games. He's not there. White is out for a game. He comes back. Yeah, a team as good as this has got to deal with it, and it's not yeah, like an excuse. Right. But you need to, like, you need to know if you're going to have those guys on a day-to-day basis as long as they come out relatively healthy coming out of the game. You know what I mean? If there's no crazy injury... And that's something, you know, going into game four where I'm worried about is smart. How is that ankle going to look? Will he be ready for game four at home? We need them. Tatum, how is he going to come out, you know, after getting that stinger into his shooting shoulder? Is he going to come out okay? Is Butler going to play? I would expect him to play. He's a tough guy the same way that P.J. Tucker coming off the calf strain he played, right? And then you got you got Lowry. Lowry's coming off of basically not playing all playoffs, right? He played a couple games, one or two games, and was out most the most of the playoffs. And he was rusty in game three. But if he plays anywhere better, 
than he played last game. And defensively, he was pretty good. It was just offensively, he, he was awful. If he plays any better offensively, like that's another player you got to worry about too. So you can't play the same way or or have, you know, players not playing in effect, have players on your team, Celtics being, play ineffectively and have players from the Heat start to get hot, like Bam or Lowry or Oladipo or, or Butler. So that's a recipe yeah. for disaster. So um, it's going to be interesting to see the, that injury report come game four. We'll see, Shrey. Like we keep talking about, the Heat are a good team. They're a real good team, and uh, yeah, they got they got me nervous. And it's they time do. to it's time to focus. It's time to clamp up. I mean, uh, yeah, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see. But for now, we can't tell the future. We can't. So this has been another episode of the infamous, famous podcast uh, called Amateur Hour. That is a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. Thank you very much for being here. We've really enjoyed our time and your time and your ears as well. So thank you. My name is Max along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace.